Welcome into episode 25 of Sports Are Funny with George Arjour. Today we have Bridget Case on, who is a podcaster. She was a former cheerleader for the well, now Los Angeles Chargers, but at the time, San Diego Chargers. And today's conversation was really fun. We went through so many different things about her career path, uh, from being a journalist to her struggles with social media. You're really going to enjoy this one. So let's get started. But first, a word from our sponsor. Welcome into Sports Are Funny with George Arjour, and today we have Bridget Case on, uh, who hosts her own podcast called After Orange Slices. Uh, how are you doing today, Bridget? I'm doing pretty great, George. How about you? Doing really good. Thanks for asking. So before we get started, I guess give the audience who doesn't know you um, an introduction, tell them what you do, how you started your podcast, and where they can find you. Yeah. Um, so of course my name is Bridget. I am a sports journalist and podcast host currently. Um, right now I host two podcasts. I host after orange slices podcast, which focuses on athletes transitioning into life after sports. We focus on, um, really what the athlete mentality is like off the field, off the court. So it's been a really fun venture for me. And then I recently launched turbo talk, which is mainly hosted by, Robert Turbin running back for the Seahawks. And so I am co-hosting and producing Turbo Talk. And that's been pretty fun. So we are in our second or third week of Turbo Talk right now. Um, so yeah, podcasting has been pretty fun. I've been a journalist for gosh, like six years now. And I've hopped around um, yep. lots of different jobs as every journalist in the sports industry does. I done the whole sports anchor reporter thing, you know, running up and down high school football fields, covering it all, jumping from market to market. And it's been so rewarding just getting to cover people's stories from all different walks of life, all different levels of sports. And I think that that's just the most amazing part of my job. And um, of course, like my passion for doing this came from Growing up at a really young age, being a sports fan, and I was a professional dancer and a professional cheerleader. I cheered for uh, University of Oregon for four years, and then I cheered for the Chargers for a couple years. So, That's awesome. um, yeah, so it's been it's been an interesting ride, and I am really loving what I'm doing now. But definitely trying to get used to exploring this digital world that is. Um, social media and all that. So still getting used to that part. Yeah, no, that's, that's the hardest part. And then I, it looks like we have a lot of different connections. Uh, I've, I've done some work with uh, Rob Turbin in the past. He's a great guy. I mean, I, he's one of the nicest people I've met in the sports industry. Just he's so genuine and really seems like everyone who he knows he takes care of in a really nice and like charming way. I love Rob. Yeah, he has. Yeah. He's a good heart and is a really, really smart. Like he doesn't yes. just, work hard on the field he's really really smart and is planning really hard for you know what he wants to do after football which is cool yeah which you know a lot of people don't plan which is kind of like where your podcast comes in where you're talking mm -hmm. a lot of people are transitioning off the field and a lot of them might have some interest on knowing what they want to do but they're not quite sure so it's, it's actually a really hard thing because especially for an athlete I, and I'm sure you cover this a lot in your podcast but these athletes have worked on since they're nine, 10, 11 years old to achieve, you know, absolute athletic excellence. Yeah. And a lot of times younger. Yeah. So much younger. Exactly. And there hasn't been much other things being explored. And then retirement comes at the age of 30 and most people live or 35 and most people live till 85. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it happened to me in the sense where I started dancing at two years old and I danced for, you know, over 20 years. And um, that was all I knew for my entire life. And I missed out on so much of like what it meant to be a regular kid. You know, I didn't go to parties and I didn't, I didn't drink in high school and do all that kind of stuff because I was training so many hours at the studio. I was traveling constantly for competitions and um, that was my life and I would never change it for the world. But obviously like when I left the NFL cheerleading world, it was kind of all of a sudden, well, who am I now? You know, what do I do with myself? Even though I always knew that I wanted to 100% turn my focus to journalism, it wasn't that easy you know, Bridget, the dancer, Bridget, the professional cheerleader that people knew for so long, that person was gone. So I feel like it's really fun for me to do this podcast because people know that I relate to them and I know where they're coming from. That's been so rewarding for me. Yeah. And I mean, and dancing is an athletic pursuit. I mean, you it's, you're maybe not always competing against one team per se but you're competing against yourself and you are in a competition at all times to do better every day yeah well and it also depends on like where you're at like for some people you know when you're dancing with a competitive team of course like you're you're going to competitions every single weekend and then obviously you know when you're in the nfl world yes it's more performance based but there is so much more competitiveness that is an underlying factor like you have to compete to make the the team every single year like girls get kicked off the team every single year like so you're never your spot is never safe and so there are so many of those factors that go into play that I don't think people realize and you have to do so much to maintain your athletic physique you know we work with trainers you have to do weekly weigh-ins um there's so much you know worrying about your diet there's so much that goes into it that I think people forget about that is just makes you just as much of an athlete. And for some people in my eyes, if not more, yeah. because you have to worry about so much more of the appearance factor um, to maintain like a healthy, you know, a healthy lifestyle. Yeah. And I've, I mean, I've seen articles on the internet, which I kind of make me almost cringe where people are suggesting, oh, there shouldn't be cheerleaders in the NFL or cheerleaders in college. And I'm like, do they not? A lot of people who will get on this these agendas don't realize how much work goes into it. It's not it's not a complete like they take it as a vanity measure, and it's not. It's an athletic performance, and it just it's sad when people look at things like cheerleading or look at dancing the wrong way. I just find it those people not to be informed of really what's going yeah on. they're not really educated and I mean like I've been fighting that my whole life it's exactly what you said it's just people who are ignorant and they obviously have something else going on with themselves but really all the people that know me and you know people who've been friends with me for a very long time and been in my inner circle know that I've competed with the best I've spent my entire life you know training at a high level I used to help train some of I used to go on runs during the summer with some of the baseball guys in college because they were slower than me and I would you know help them get back their endurance back up so you know it was one of those things where sometimes yeah you are constantly proving yourself but I kind of love that because you have to do that in life anyway and it prepared me for this industry really well because women are not so respected um you know in the sports industry as it is and so it's given me some really thick skin 
Yeah, I mean, I was going to get to that a little later in the podcast, but since you mentioned it now, you have a video on your Instagram. If you want, um, where can everyone find you on Instagram? It's at. Yeah. So, yeah, I forgot to mention that. Sorry. Yeah. So, okay. if you want to follow me on Instagram, you can follow me at, at After Orange Slices, which is the name of my podcast, After Orange Slices. And um, yeah, I posted a video about two months ago after working with this trainer. I worked with him for a couple months. And mostly I was trying to get back into a different training regimen. Um, of course, again, like once you leave your sport, I feel like it's very hard to figure out what fitness regimen works for you, you know, because you're not right. going to practice every day. You're not having somebody tell you what to do all the time. So for me, it's taken a lot of different things for me to figure out what I liked. Like, did I want to constantly focus on weight training? Was it all lifting based? Did I want to just go to classes like it, it was really hard for me to figure that out so this is kind of when I was toying around with going back to lifting and I was working with this trainer who I kind of knew he was a little bit misogynistic but yeah. you know I figured you know what he does a good job training me I'll I can ignore it <laughs> so but one day we're in the gym and it's you know a, a private area so there's only four people in there and they're all guys and he's talking about the culture of sports and how it's changed over the years. Mm -hmm. So he goes on to say to me and this other guy, and no offense, Bridget, but I effing hate female sports analysts. They have no idea what they're talking about. He totally drops an F-bomb and basically just says that women don't know anything about sports and don't belong in the world of sports. And it just was the most offensive thing that I've heard in probably my entire life personally. And I told him after this, once he said, you know, sorry, that's just the way it is. I said, oh, oh, oh you didn't hurt my feelings. You just completely offended every single woman out there and said that we don't belong in the world of sports. We can't yep. do anything that men can do. And also, if you have to preface something with and no offense, then it's probably offensive and you probably shouldn't say it. Right. I mean, that you, anytime someone says no offense, you know, something dumb is offensive. Is about to, or offensive and, is going to come out of their mouth. Exactly. And the thing was, is that he was kept saying, oh, I'm so sorry. I hurt your feelings. You hurt feelings. Like as if I was the little woman and I was just like, oh, oh, you didn't hurt my feelings. Like he didn't understand that. He thought he hurt my feelings. He felt bad for hurting my feelings, but he didn't understand that what he said was wrong and that it was right. completely sexist. Well, he probably also, I mean, in a way, he didn't really, I don't think it really, and I could be wrong, correct me if I'm wrong, it might have not even hurt your feeling. It just was it like. It didn't. Yeah, that's the like, thing. Like, what what are you talking about is more of the thing than Absolutely. anything else. Like, I, I, a lot of times someone will say something offensive and it doesn't hurt my feelings, but it changes my perspective on that person. Exactly. I just thought, I thought differently of him. I just realized I was like, whoa, this is not somebody I want to be around in my life. And I also said to him, I'm like, do you not realize like that is my industry? I've taken a chance on myself. I'm not working for a station anymore. I left the stations. I'm working for myself. I am working my ass off to prove to this industry that I exist. I'm doing something super revolutionary by putting out my own content. Right. And you're basically saying that I don't matter that my voice doesn't matter. Well, you know, the thing is, 
I wish this wasn't the norm. A, a lot of men think like this. I don't absolutely because if you go to Twitter during an NBA basketball game and Doris Burke's on the uh, broadcast, mm-hmm. and just type in Doris Burke on the search box and go see what males are saying about Doris Burke, or when Rachel Nichols is interviewing someone, or when there's a sideline reporter in general, what they're saying. And, and those are two of the best. Like yeah. they know their ish. Like they know what they're talking about. They they know more than a hundred percent of the guys on Twitter who are sitting there just typing behind a keyboard or a exactly. Phone. <laughs> so and that's something that's going on with them. That's what I I always say. You know, it's obviously a personal issue, but for me, like this fired something within me to just like keep going because it's hard. Like a lot of times, especially like when you're working for yourself or doing something totally different than what the norm is, you know, I'm not following that same path that I thought I would follow as a reporter anymore. Um, It fired me up to just say like, holy, holy shit, I got to prove somebody wrong. I got to prove everybody wrong who who still believes this kind of stuff. Right. So, yeah, you take a bet on yourself. And that's mm-hmm. that's the hardest part of this all is you're betting on yourself and not too many people bet on themselves. So I he probably doesn't know this and you probably didn't realize it right away. But he did you a favor and just basically yep. even lit a fire under your ass even harder than it was already burning. Like this. Totally. Th- like I look, we're me and my brother with our company, we're doing the same thing. We're betting on ourselves right now. We're not going through, uh, we don't work for ESPN. We don't yeah. work for, you, when you bet on yourself, it's literally you versus the, you feel like it at least. It's you versus the world 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Yeah. But I love it because it makes you work so much harder. I used to get comfortable when mm-hmm. I was working for, you know, the, like the regional, the networks or, and the, the small stations I was working for. And mm-hmm. even when, I was getting bigger gigs and things like that. I just, I don't know. I, I was a little too comfortable and this has made me work so much harder and I love it because it's so much more rewarding and I get to meet so much, so many more people that share my fire and share that passion for what like we're all doing and not just trying to climb their way to the ranks to get to the top because they just want you know, the fame and the fortune and all that. Like, I'm sorry, but if you're in this industry, you don't care about fame and fortune because that's not really usually going to happen. Like there's a very small percentage of people that do achieve that. And yeah, that's why I think it's super interesting that people still have this perspective. Um, But I I, honestly, he really did do me a favor because I'm so much happier now. And then (laughs) you know, getting to do the things that I've gotten to do with this podcast. I mean, getting awesome interviews, getting to launch Turbo Talk with Rob, um, getting to go to Super Bowl. It's just been really, really fun and rewarding. And I feel like I wouldn't have had those opportunities um, because I, I don't know, you, I believe in myself, but sometimes we all get down on ourselves and it's, I it's so feel easy like, to get down on yourself. Like, yeah. And especially around the holidays and like this all happened around December. So I feel like I kind of needed that kick in the butt. Right. So it was totally a blessing in disguise. You know, that's funny. You say that it, it, it's like literally, um, if you go back and listen to my, the podcast I put on, I, I did two podcasts, solo ones, one on Christmas, like two days before Christmas. And one on the day before Thanksgiving, that was my thing. I was like, when you are your own boss and you're doing this and you're taking a bet on yourself and I'm single personally, it can get lonely at times. And I said that on the podcast, it totally gets lonely. But, you know, I think that's why I'm getting better. 
to be honest, exactly. I never went to school for journalism. I didn't go to school for broadcasting, but I've kind of tried to teach myself. And I feel like people who do this, we sit there and I spend 14 to 16 hours a day working mm-hmm. instead of nine hours a day and then going home and popping open a beer. Yep. Oh, I'm the same way. But here's the other funny secret. Like when I am at home, like if I'm just editing or something like, like oh, you know what? I'm at home working. Like I don't have to talk to anyone today. I'm going to have a, I'm going to have a, you know, a Tito's and tonic right now, or I'm going to have a glass of wine right now, even though it's, you know, three o'clock. Exactly. But I can do that. Well, even though I've got seven more hours of work to go, but it's been nice, you know, the, the schedule's flexible, but obviously like, I also, I love working on weekends. Like for me, Same. that's fun and I love it. And like, you know, I'm, I love traveling for work and I love that. And you know, that's not everybody's vibe, but for me it is. And that fires me up. Like the more I work, the more motivated I am. So it sounds like you're the same way. And I just feel like, um, you know, that grind is like what keeps you going. And um, yeah, I just think like the more that individual entrepreneurs can set examples like this for other people, um, you know, the more we can kind of break free of that, that corporate norm yes and i mean there's something i haven't really announced on the podcast yet but i guess i'll kind of announce it now like part of the corporate grind and the corporate thing i've always thought about working remotely for six months or a year and i'm actually taking myself to south america and europe here in a couple in a month or so and i'm going to be doing this podcast from around the world just because we can wow do that. yeah wow, so that's awesome so i'm going to try to go to sporting events in every different country and kind of do a solo podcast about that. But we, but I think that's kind of like the reward we give ourselves. We all do it differently. Like you said, for you, it's a, you can put a Tito and vodka at three o'clock while you're editing a podcast. I can travel because I love to travel while working. Like there are rewards that people don't get, but you have to sacrifice so much to be able to reward yourself. Absolutely. That's the thing is I have sacrificed so much and, like there are a number of things that I've given up that I know most of my friends would not be okay giving up. Um, you know, I've had to move different places. I've lived in rural environments to grind it out and to work as a reporter in small areas. And I've not been able to see my friends for years and, um, you know, being where I know nobody and having to work odd hours, all, you know, all overnight shifts and things like that. But, um, so worth it for me because it's, built me into the person that I am, the hard worker that I am. And it's really given me an appreciation and respect for everybody else who just like grinds it out in whatever respective industry they're in. Yeah, I I feel exactly the same way there. And then I guess I have a, before we get to your like, I want to get your story, how you got to this point and where you started your own podcast and being on your own. But my question for you is, as someone who's always, I mean, you're a dancer, you're a cheerleader. Was it easier for you to go out there and like t- put yourself out on Instagram and take pictures and talk versus someone where I never did that before? And now I do it because I'm now used to it. But at first I was like, I'm, I'm looking at myself on the selfie camera mode talking about something like, oh, let me re-record that 19 different times. Yeah, no funny I just got back on Instagram in August okay um and I started a new Instagram when I started my show because I was like shoot I have to get back on Instagram like I'm gonna start this podcast I 
have to promote it. I have to get out there. I really had a hard time with Instagram. It was one of my biggest uh, triggers for my depression. I've struggled with mental health issues my entire life. Um, But for me, like I've always been really aware and it's been so important to me to take care of my mental health. And um, yeah, it's, you know, it's really funny. Like a lot of women that I grew up dancing with or some of my teammates in the Mm -hmm. NFL, um, social media was so huge to them. But when we were on the team, we weren't allowed to use social media, like as cheerleaders, like as NFL cheerleaders. Yeah. So they've since changed some of the rules, but back then, because social media was like starting to blow up, but like influencers weren't really a thing yet. They thought that they were protecting you. So you were allowed to have an account, but you couldn't post anything about being a charger girl. You could only post like being a chargers fan and like your things of your dog or your food. Like you couldn't (laughs) post about being you. And it was really a big mind game for me. It was really difficult. Um, and I just, I got really frustrated also. Like when I found out that all of a sudden now, like the team is allowed there, all the girls are allowed to post everything and it's, you know, all free reign, um, you know, because girls would get kicked off the team if they posted photos. So it was so strict for us. Um, and it was just like, you weren't even allowed to follow players, um, things like that. It was just really, really lame. And, um, yeah, it just, it was weird. And so I took about a two and a half year break from Instagram where I just couldn't look at it. I Mm -hmm. could not be on it. Um, it was probably felt pretty good. What? Probably felt really good. It felt amazing. It was the best thing for me. I'm so glad. I was like, I don't have to see Sally and Joe getting engaged every five seconds. And, you know. Oh, you know Sally and Joe too? Exactly. And (laughs) Madeline's 12 babies that, you know, every time I scroll, oh, she's got a new one dressed up in a pumpkin. And this one's dressed up as a Christmas present. Like, just, I just felt like no matter what, no matter how successful I knew I was going to be or or the small successes that I was gaining in my life, they were everybody else's success and their little highlight reel was such a trigger to my depression. And I was also really okay at accepting that. I realized, you know, that that doesn't say anything bad about me. That just says that like there's things that I need to work on. And for me, it was the best thing I ever did. I got so secure with myself and I just took that time. And it was while I was living in Eastern Washington, really Mm kind of in the middle of nowhere trees out there. It's all there's none. I'm not too far from Eastern. Where where, what part of Eastern Washington did you live in? I was in tri cities. Uh, Tri cities. I well, I'm in, you know, right outside of Seattle. So I've been to tri cities before. Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. you know, so, um, yeah, so it was really, really good for me because I just got back to myself. I just like, grinded it out I put my nose down and I just went to work and I worked on myself not only did I like work on becoming a better journalist I worked on just becoming a more secure human being and not worrying so much about being validated by the likes the comments um being at every event with all my friends missing out things like that so it was so amazing but it also came to the fact time where when I wanted to start the podcast and I was like gosh I gotta get back on Instagram I was like, you know what? I'm going to delete my old Instagram. I'm like, I'm just going to start a new one. And because I just didn't want any of my old world that I had worked so hard 
to leave behind me, I didn't want that following me. I only wanted the positive parts. And um, I really wanted to develop something new. And I developed this new strategy of only following brought me joy. It's kind of like yeah. the whole Marie Kondo thing where like, you know, only keep things that bring you joy. So a lot of it's podcasts for me or sports accounts. Yep. It's some friends, not very many. A lot of friends do still follow me, but I don't follow them back or I'll mute them. And I don't feel bad about it because for me, I'm just taking care of my mental health. You shouldn't so, feel bad about it. Cause at the end of the day, yeah. this is for the life you live is for you. I mean, I know it sounds so simple, but it's so hard to wrap around it. You're everything else. As much as you love them, our parents, as much as I love my, everything's an accessory to your life. Absolutely. So I totally the believe ones that. that the good accessories, you keep them on, you wear them, you, you take care of them and the bad stuff. You just throw away. You don't need, you don't need junk in your life. There's no reason to ever have junk in your life. And that's why it's better to have, two really good friends than 15 shitty friends. <laughs> it's very exactly. simple. Oh, I so believe that. Like, honestly, it is so true. And I had, it took me a really long time though, to figure that I also to accept that and be okay. And realize like, you know what? Like some of my really great friends are still going to be friends with those shitty friends and I got to accept it. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that they're a bad person. That just means that, you know what? I'm becoming a, doesn't bother me anymore exactly so, yeah you know it's that's like what bliss is things. that's what bliss what? is that is bliss when you forget about the, like it can roll off your shoulder and it really doesn't matter anymore yeah exactly 100 percent. and once you forget and stop worrying about the followers and all that stuff like just worry about putting out good content out there um you know i was so worried like how you were talking about i didn't want to get on camera i didn't want to do selfies I thought it made me look conceited um but then I realized you know what I need to talk to other people out there who are struggling with their mental health who don't want to feel alone so I'll just get on my story sometimes and be like hey guys I just came out of therapy you know I go see a um I go see a therapist once a week if you need help you know reach out to a friend or you can go to this website like I just get really real and raw and I just the whole my whole mission this year has been to be transparent and not like let anybody fall under the facade of my highlight reel of social media, because that is so not who I am. And I really try to make sure that people know that like my social media, because I'm so like, I so know what the negatives can do to the depths of our soul when it comes right. to social media, that I really make an effort for everybody to understand like, Hey, this is the real me. Like I go through crazy shit every single day, like every single one of you. And I, I, I get messages that. all the time from people who are just like, Hey, like I was really struggling. You know, I d didn't know how to come out to my parents. Um, you know, I've been struggling with depression. Your posts really helped me. I listened to your episode, like random things where I'm just like, I just was hoping I would help one person, but the response has been so amazing. And all it took was to start as being more honest. And for so long, I wasn't honest and I was hiding so much of like how I felt. And I felt like I couldn't talk about, you know, the dark thoughts and the things that I've dealt with my entire life and the stuff I've been through. And once I realized like, you know what, people need, need somebody else out there. It doesn't have to be a role model, but they just need to know that they're not alone. 
um, then we can start getting somewhere in this life. But for so long, I was just told like to shut up and be quiet. I was told that on every single team I've ever been on, especially in the NFL, like you were just supposed to be a pretty face and be there as, you know, a positive representation for the organization. I was told to, you know, not say anything negative, of course, when I was a sports anchor on TV for the different, you know, um, stations I worked for. So now I'm finally able to be honest. And that's been the most amazing part of this job. And I know that you know, I'm just getting started. I only started my podcast in August and yep. it's like, I can't even imagine with how much progress it's made um, in helping other people. I can't even imagine where it's going to go. Yeah. And what you said, what that really sparked me, which was so cool is if you go down your social media feed, everyone is posting. I'm at this club. I'm at this bar. I'm doing this. I got married. I had kids. I bought a new car. Or a new totally. House. It's the highlight reel. The highlight reel of their life. And you're like, no, no, no. Hey, here's me being me. Mm-hmm. Re- sure. I, you'll probably post if something really exciting happens, but you also post if something not so good happens. Yeah, that's absolutely. What, that's what life is. Social. I always tell people who get upset about Instagram or like, oh man, I was on Instagram. Do you see this person's life, bro? It looks so lit. I'm like, yeah, of course it does. He's not going to post when he, you know, fell down uh, and had a bad day at the office. <laughs> like, exactly. So just like you can't, if you fall into the social media trap, I completely understand why it's been a trigger for so many different people to have depression to be not happy to try to keep up with the joneses like i get it but you got to try to get your mind off that and do stuff that you're doing bridget like that that's healthy Mm -hmm. yeah and the thing is too like i'll give you know tell you my dirty little secret i don't even really scroll through my feed i'll do it if i feel like i need to engage for my brand but it's rare I don't go through my feed. I maybe will like the one photo that pops up when I open Instagram. Yeah. (laughs) But I really only engage with people who engage with me and then I engage back and I make an effort to engage with people who care. And so I want to support them back, you know, whether that's new brands, whether that's fellow sports podcasts, whatever it is, um, you know, I want to support other people, but I just know for my mental health, like I cannot get caught scrolling forever because it's just a waste of my time it really and is so it's just yeah it's just like for me I'll just get stuck on it even though I'm so much more mentally stable when it comes to that it's just I just know like I don't know it's not as it's just kind of a waste of my time it so. really is and, and you know what's funny like here's a little dirty secret of mine where so a lot of times I'm in the sauna at the gym and I just watch like people on Instagram you know it's like you know you have two I get, what do you say? Like two layers or two floors of a sauna at the top. Mm-hmm, guard mm-hmm, body. Yeah. And I'm always like looking and watching people, how they scroll down their timeline. And like, I, you see people stare at a picture for like 20 seconds and sometimes they don't like it. And sometimes they like it. And I'm just like, is this really what our society has? Totally. It so is. I know. <laughs> like literally I'll watch a guy stare at someone's picture for 20 seconds and like, nope, not liking that one. Going to another one, double click. And that's supposed to validate some shit. Like that doesn't validate shit. It shouldn't. If that really no. validates anything. No, that is so true. I mean, it's it's pretty ridiculous. And I mean, that's why I think it'll be really interesting if Instagram does end up taking away likes. I mean, I know they've done it in 
um, other countries so far. Yeah. But for me, and, I'm and like, some account, do you still have your likes? Because mine are gone. Yours are gone. I, yeah, my I, I got I was I guess I'm one of a test account, so I don't I don't get to see how many likes people have or how many likes I get. You can still like go to the back end of your analytics and see how much you have. Yeah. But you know what? I actually love it. Like totally. I totally like- that's the thing is I think it's kind of a great thing because I think it'll go back to all of us, you know, posting more organic content. Like I don't need to see 700 butt pictures, you know, just so people get more likes. Like cuz it's really sad. Like the fact that I feel like I'll post something that's a really great piece of content and people just don't absorb it because it's not like me in the picture, you know? Right. So, you it's know, funny. I I, think that I, we'll- it, I feel like Instagram's just become like literally Instagram models posting bikini pics. Absolutely. hundred percent. Or or there's no business there. I, it's like they've lost. I think that's why they had to go out of this. It's so people will start posting content again. Yeah, exactly. Totally. And it's also really sad because it's like all of these people will have hundreds of thousands of followers who mm-hmm. really don't do that much with their life. But all they cared about was achieving Instagram fame. And then right. you have all these fantastic people who really don't care about that stuff, but nobody knows about the amazing content they're putting out there because people aren't able to engage because it's not showing up on their popular page. Exactly. But I always wondered, like, so for example, these Instagram models who have a million followers posting literally just pictures of them in thongs. That's what they are a lot. hundred percent. Exactly. I know. I I don't get it. I wonder though, if this, if they went one day and just posted a picture about, something that was valuable why our, our society would probably not give them that many likes yeah and it would discourage not. them and it'd go back to these bad like to these pictures of being half naked so yeah. it's also it's not i don't blame the instagram model who has a million followers i bring this society that has now valued totally. the wrong thing exactly i 100 percent agree because Here's the thing, like, I would never sit, like, I'm like, you know what, girl, more power to you. Like, if, if that's what you want to do, like, hey, you, you figured out how to beat the system, go for it. But it's it's smart of these women to do that. But it's just, that's, like, not, like, what I want. But yeah. it's not fair that society is doing that to everybody and not everybody a chance. I don't know. I think, and it's, like, the algorithm comes into play as well. But, um, you know, I think definitely things will change who knows how, but over the years, um, just because we consume digital content at such a fast pace, I mean, cable news is dying. That's like half of the reason why I was so okay with leaving TV was because I figured, you know, digital's where it's at. People are on their phones 24 seven, but eventually things are going to crash. And maybe that becomes, you know, something where, yeah, we're not looking at likes anymore. And we're all caring more about what we're absorbing instead of like who's the prettiest and you know who has the yeah. least amount of clothing on yeah it should be who's giving you the best content and who's creating the best and who's yeah. giving the best sports opinion and i think bridget we are both in the infancy of this podcasting world podcasts still we don't know where they're going social totally. media we still don't know where they're going and i think people like me and you and what you're doing with rob we're in that beginning phase of this where we can take advantage of it we'll see it change throughout these years like we're we're both young so I, I think we're both lucky that we're in this now and I think by the time 10 years rolls around we're gonna see all this sorry to say bullshit gone 
Oh, I know. And, Absolutely. And, and we can rise up and it'll, it'll be it'll be all good. And we'll go have a vodka tonic at three o'clock yeah. in the afternoon somewhere. <laughs> yeah. And I have like no shame talking about that now. But gosh, I used to like just even joking about things like that, like used to get hated on. And I'm like, it's so great to work for myself now because I can do that. And, you know, nobody's going to fire me. It's fine. No, exactly. No, you don't even know how many uh, like night times or I, sometimes I work. My My favorite thing about this is that nowadays and people like my friends who don't work this they they like i don't know how they feel about it but i wake up now at 9 30 in the morning and i go to bed at three i work till i work my favorite time to work now is midnight till 3 a.m i just love it (laughs) there's no one no one can call you no one can talk to you and you put on netflix and you get your laptop and you just work from midnight till three that is so quiet yep I totally agree. Like I'll lose track of time when I'm working in the middle of the night and I'm like, Oh, all of a sudden it's two 30 morning. What? Like, yeah. And it's in the be- best part is you don't have to wake up at six. Yep. I mean, I still do just because I'm a natural early riser and yeah. I have dogs and cats, so I have to feed everybody, but, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, but I know what you mean. So yeah, no, it's it's totally changed. The industry I used to work in before this, I used to wake up. I used to go to bed at 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. Sorry, 9 p.m. and wake up at 5 a.m. to go to the gym every morning. Yeah. Because that's the only time I could fit in going to the gym. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I'm just so glad. I'm so glad I don't have to do that anymore. So, um, I guess so. How? What I wanted to ask you a lot about was how did you get here? Like, where? What was your career path? If I know everyone has different career paths, but what was yours? Like, how did you get here? You can talk about the University of Oregon if you want. I know it's not, you know, we're not, they're not as good at athletics as the Washington Huskies, but that's okay. <laughs> um, well, you know, I always wanted to be a journalist. I mean, that was something that, like, I just had my heart set on for yeah. a very young age. I started a newspaper when I was in elementary school. I don't even remember what it was called, but I used to um, write it out, like, with, pencil colored pencils and things like that and (laughs) and then pass it out and gosh I I don't know how my teachers let me do that because I like missed a bunch of homework and things like that it was more important to me and I would cover the funniest things that like happened at recess those are my subjects (laughs) and that'd be a great podcast by the way (laughs) if I ever have kids that'll be my podcast for kids tell me what happened at recess and just record Totally. Oh my gosh. It was the greatest. I interviewed, I would, I went out and interviewed people about playing the game of tag because you know how like <laughs> you play tag and I yeah. thought it was the dumbest game and um, I would interview people about it. It was so funny. The, that was probably like the first interview I ever did was probably when I was in second, second or third grade. So yeah. So from a very young age, I just knew that I wanted to be a journalist. I didn't know if it meant that I wanted to broadcast on television I didn't know if it meant that I wanted to be a writer I wasn't really sure what it looked like but I especially knew that when I watched so much football with my dad that I wanted to somehow be involved in the sports world like sports was just my life growing up Um, my dad would put us in the car at 5 a.m on Saturday mornings we would go get uh we would go get Starbucks and bagels and and smoothies and come back sit on the couch and watch college game day all day and I would point at the television and just be like that's what I want to do like I 
wanted to be on college game day. That was my goal. And so, um, especially by the time I got to Oregon, I just really realized how immersed I was in the college sports culture at that time and how magical it was and how many people had never experienced that in their life. And it just all of a sudden became a huge priority for me. And it was really hard. Like when I went to cheer for the chargers, Mm -hmm. of course it was super special and it was amazing, but I totally fell behind because I wasn't able to do an internship while I was in college. Um, Part of that was a little bit on me because I should have, I should have worked harder to talk to like a local station and just been like, Hey, I only have a couple weeks. Like, can you do, I'm a student athlete at Oregon. Can you please like fit me in? But because I kept getting denied at a lot of internships because I didn't have the full 10 weeks of a summer that you needed to complete an internship. I only had like a four week summer. And sometimes it's hard too, because you also don't have maybe the right advice on who to go to. Cause these things are not like, there's no no real, like you do this and then you do this and then you do, there's no concrete steps. It's kind of figure it out. And I was just afraid. I'm going to be honest. I was too scared to fail. So I was really afraid of failure when I was in college, all growing up and when I was in college, because I had always been bred as such a winner that, um, you know, all growing up, I, you know, I competed at the best dance studio in the country. Um, I was the best. And I just once I got to college, like trying something different and thinking about becoming a journalist for real was really scary to me. And like thinking of not being the best was really hard. And so especially once I went to the Chargers and I was applying for all these internships, just trying to figure out how to how to get my foot in the door. Um, I was really scared. Like I had too much pride to try to use my connections that I had because I didn't want to fail. And it was the dumbest thing now that I think back on it. But also I'm kind of glad it happened because it taught me so many lessons um, that I never would have learned. And what ended up happening was I applied to so many internships and kept getting rejected. I applied to like between 40 to 60 internships, somewhere around that there within a year. And all of a sudden I decided to apply to NBC and Palm Springs. Mm -hmm. And the only way I could get this internship there was if I was in school. So I decided to lie and say that I was in grad school. Well, I get accepted to this internship and then they want to see my school info. I'm living in San Diego at the time. So this is a two and a half hour drive away. So it was just nuts. And I'm like, okay, well, guess I got to apply to grad school and I got to figure out how I'm going to get my ass out there because I don't even live in the area. Oh, man. But they say fake it till you make it. Absolutely. So that's what I did. I totally faked it. I applied to grad school. I applied at USC. I got in. Um, and yeah, it was, it ended up being great because I went to grad school part-time at that time. And then I finished up a couple of years later, but I mean, I'm so glad I got my master's, but it was just really funny how it happened. It was kind of just on accident that I ended up applying and I only had that internship for a month. I was driving back and forth on I would go and work the morning show from like 2 a.m. to noon. And then I would drive back, go to practice from like 6 to 11 back. Like, and I would take naps like during the day and I'd sleep on the couch at work. Well, I only had that internship for about a month until they thought that I was really, really talented. They knew I was a little bit older. Um, You know, I wasn't 18 years old. And so they decided to hire me. They needed a production specialist. So I got hired as a full-time production specialist. 
which was fantastic. But of course, it made the commute 10 times harder. I mean, luckily, we had a couple family friends who had houses out in the area. So I would just sleep there. And then um, I would split time between being there in Palm Springs and being at, at my place in San Diego and just hop back and forth. And, and, it and was you were still grind. being a Chargers cheerleader at the time. Yes, I was still a Charger oh, girl at the man. time. So it was absolutely, oh my gosh. Like I would never recommend anybody do that. I fell asleep at the wheel so many times. Like I had more cups of coffee in my system probably at that point than I ever have in my life. But again, you have to, if you're so passionate about something, you've just got to do whatever it takes to get your foot in the door. And a month later, again, like the, uh, one of the multimedia journalists and part-time sports reporters goes and gets a job in Ohio. All of a sudden there's an open spot. The main anchor really thought that I was working really hard. He went to the news director, said, let's give her a shot on camera. And that's how I got out my on-air start. I started covering Friday night football every week. Um, on the that's other so nights, cool. I was just covering like regular news. I was covering lots of breaking news, but that's how I got my start. I just, it kind of, I kind of just fell into it and I was there for about a year until I left. But, um, yeah, I just got lucky and I wish I stayed there a little bit longer because it was such, that was like my family environment. Like NBC Palm Springs is like where I will forever be grateful that they gave me my start. But, um, I ended up leaving and then going to work for a professional tennis team for a little bit as a host and producer. And it was not the best fit, kind of like a lot of empty promises. And then that's when I um, left that gig after just parting ways and decided, you know, I was going to go back to another news station. Well, I got a call from Fox Sports West saying that they had an open spot as a digital host and I was like oh my gosh this will be the perfect job well I didn't really know what it meant to be a digital host and like at the time I thought that it was the perfect job and I went through so many rounds of interviews I got so close to getting the job um really thought I had it in the bag I had like three rounds of interviews I was there all the time I got super close with the people and um who were all really nice and said like, you know, if we can ever recommend you to in any, you know, future job, like please right. let us know. And so, but, and so I thought like my life was over. Cause I was just like, if I can't like do this, this, this was going to be my shot. Well, of course, you know, I was unemployed for the next three months, but I was just applying to any station that would take me. So that's when I got hired in Washington and I just took the job as a sports anchor and at CBS in Washington. And, I'm so glad I did because it taught me so much more about how I needed to get tough. I just wasn't tough at the time. And I just still, I think thought a little bit like things were going to just happen for me. And it really taught me being out there really taught me um, the grit that I needed to survive in the industry. I always knew it'd be tough, but it taught me how to really like survive on my own and to learn what was important in my life. Again, like what relationships were important. You know, when I, my first couple of years in the industry, I was still so focused on my friends and what they were all doing and social media and what was going on. My job wasn't my sole purpose and and wasn't my 100% focus that I wasn't doing that great a job at my job. By the time I got to Washington, I put 110% into my work. And I made it my, and 
that's where the, the switch flipped for me. And that's why when I was done and wrapped up in Washington and I came home, moved back in with my parents yeah. in California when I was in between jobs and I was kind of upset because I had had like all of these, you know, initial calls from big stations that said they were interested and then nothing really wrapped, you know, nothing really panned out. I just said, you know what? Screw it. I can totally do something on my own. Yep. It's 2019. I am talented. I deserve to shine in this industry. Just because I haven't been hired by another station doesn't mean that I'm not able to make it. Like I can do something so much bigger and show myself and prove to myself and prove to everybody else what I can do. And that's why I started the podcast and it's just taken off and I've gotten so many more exciting, fun interviews and developed the most incredible relationships because I was forced to start something on my own. Like I didn't do this because it was 100% a choice. It kind of just happened. And that's the thing. Like every time something has just accidentally happened, it's turned out to be the better thing. You know, I always thought like, oh, I've got to hop from market to market and do, you know, the whole local reporter thing. And then that's going to get me to ESPN. No, it's again, it's now it's every single person's path looks different. There's not one right way to get to the top. And so whenever somebody asks me, what does your future look like? Like, what's your goal? I tell some everybody now, I'm like, I don't know. And that's because I really don't know what the landscape of this industry looks like in 2021. Who knows we, what it'll look like? We have zero. We, exact, we have no idea what it's going to be in three months from now. Totally. I don't know what it's going to look like tomorrow. Yeah. So it's really interesting to me because I really developed this whole mentality of like, just strive to work hard today. Get, as, get what I can get done today. Do my best today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Everything will happen the way it's supposed to. And ever since I really started like thinking like that and, and working like that and instilling that in other people that I work with, then that like mentality is rubbed off on other people and that's come out in my work and that's made me more successful and that's made me more of a name that like people want to work with and that's made me connect with people that like are more excited to work with me and not just, you know, thinking, oh, she's just another girl trying to make it as a sports reporter. Like, no, there's something different, but you also have to prove you unique. Why, why do you deserve to make it? So right. for me, it's, it's important to prove that because I care about proving it to myself, not to everybody else. And right. so that's really like what this podcast has taught me and who knows, you know, what I'll be doing. Of course, like I'm just focusing on digital content and I don't really care like what else comes my way. Like who knows? I could be offered something totally different tomorrow and take a pivot. I don't know, but I just know that I'm making the right decisions for me because I am just taking it day by day. Yeah. And, and you can hear the passion in your voice. That's why <laughs> like, that, I, mean, I just love it. Cause not everyone, I mean, you hear so many people who are just like doing something they sound like they're going through the motion and there's no passion behind it, but you, you can like hear the passion in your voice. Like it's coming out. Like anyone who's listening to this right now can hear like, Oh my God, Bridget is so passionate about what she's doing right now. And that's, what's going to make it great. And not like you said earlier, you made sacrifices, your story between San Diego and Palm Springs, 0.0001% of people would have done that. Absolutely. Totally. And I, first, the funny thing is I forget about it. 
Like yeah, I've done you, so many you, things like that that yeah. I just forget that that happened. Look, look when <laughs> I, I I call people like me and you don't take offense. We're crazy. We Absolutely. we don't <laughs> we we want to make it, and it, everything else is just like noise around us. And it's like I don't care if I'm working sixteen hours a day. That's not weird. It, it really is not weird to me. Totally. But I I have to tell myself though to like stop working. I'm sure you're the same way. I have yeah. to like schedule time, and I'm like, okay, put it down. Just watch Netflix. Put your computer in a different room. Like, take it's a break. It's so hard, though. <laughs> it really yeah. is hard. Like, and because you have all these ideas and plans. If it, even if you're watching Netflix, it sparks an idea, and you want to write it down. And it's just like, mm-hmm. it, my, and then you wake wake up in the middle of the night. I sleep with a notepad next to my bed now. So if I wake mm-hmm. up with a thought, I write it down. Because I, if I don't, I'm gonna grab my phone. And then, you know, that blue light wakes you up and then I type it into my phone. So now it's a notepad, which is much healthier. That is healthier. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, it's only been two weeks, though, so don't give me (laughs) too much credit. We'll go back to the phone in no time. (laughs) Oh, man, that's funny. I know. Well, no, this has been so much fun. I'm really glad uh, I was able to talk to you. I'm sure everyone who's listening to this can just tell how passionate you are and uh, if you can plug your podcast and where to find you on Instagram, are you on Twitter as well or no? Yeah, I'm on and Twitter, Twitter too. Yep. I mean, I feel like Twitter's so frustrating because I feel like I get no interaction on there anymore. I don't know if it's like the algorithm or what. And Twitter used to be like my thing. Twitter's so, my thing. I love Twitter. Yeah, it's like I I really do too. Um, but yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Bridget Case underscore, and you can follow me on Instagram at After Orange Slices. Um, which is the name of my podcast. So if you want to listen to my podcast after Orange Slices, it's available wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you're listening to this one. And then my new podcast with Robert Turbin, Turbo Talk, which is available on every platform as well. That's awesome. Yeah, Everyone needs to go follow your podcast. This has been so much fun. And we'll definitely do this again. Hopefully, you know, uh, maybe later this year, we'll, we'll reconvene and sh- just check in on how each other are doing. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. This has been great. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Bridget. All right. And I'm still here. That that was really good. I had a lot of fun there. Oh, good. I'm glad. Thank you uh, so much for having me. Of course. You're, you're so... <laughs>